We hope you enjoy this message from St. Martin C3, a location of C3 Church, Christchurch. As we stay in this atmosphere of worship, Annette has a word for us. Um, there is a beautiful painting by Rembrandt of Jesus in the storm. Um, and I've studied it recently with looking at the light and the dark. And the dark seemed to overwhelm the darkness, the light rather. And yet Jesus, the light of the world, was in the boat. The paradox was that the, the apostles and the disciples were overwhelmed by the darkness and the fierceness of the wave. And yet sleeping in the boat, they had the light of the world. And as we were singing, Jesus, light of the darkness, it struck me that we have the light of the world in our hearts and we carry him always. And though the waves may seem to overwhelm and the darkness seem to crowd in, yet we have the light of the world mm. with us always. Thank you for that word, Annette. I think that is uh, very important for each of us, so we really appreciate it. Good morning, everyone. My name's John T. King. It is good to be here with you this morning, uh, middle of the school holidays. So if you've been away and you have come uh, back again, welcome back. If you haven't been away and you just, this is like life is normal, well, great to have you here with us as well. And if you're visiting, a really warm welcome to you today. We have done a series in the lead up to Easter called The Victor. And in this series, which you can find uh, all the episodes of on Spotify, we've been looking at the victory that Jesus won uh, through the cross and the resurrection. We've seen how Jesus is the victor over the devil, over the forces of chaos, over sin and death. He is king over all creation. Now today is the week after Easter. And you might be thinking, well, that was great, that was Easter, it's nice to celebrate that. But the good news about this whole Victor idea is it's not just a once-a-year Easter thing. As it's for us here and now. So what we're going to do today to cap this series off is we're going to look at what this being a, a victor or what the victor idea means for us. And we've called this message, We Can Be Victors Too. All because the, pro, uh, the confident promise of Scripture is that we get to share in Jesus' victory over all these things in our life. In our devotions this week, we look at a variety of these victory verses and celebrate all the amazing victory that we can walk in now. This morning, I want to focus on the second half of one chapter of the Bible uh, that has plenty to say on the victory that we won through Christ. And it's probably one of the greatest chapters in all of Scripture. It's called Romans chapter 8. You might want to turn there. The verses, of course, will come up on the screen behind us. But when I was a teenager... I bought a fancy Bible. Uh, when I was about 15, I was like, I need to get myself a good Bible. So I bought myself uh, this Bible here. And this Bible, uh, whilst it is quite fancy, or was quite fancy at the time, is a little bit like all of us. Uh, time has happened to it. It is now a little bit tattered. It's a little bit old. Happens to all of us over time. I tend to use my app more these days. But when I first got it, I decided to read it. 
and I loved it. I got four, far more out of it than the effort it took to get into it. You know, read your Bibles, kids. It's a really good thing to do. And as I went through it, as you can see on the screen behind me, I liked to write in it very, uh, you know, neatly. And uh, no, I just kind of made a mess all over it. Just did uh, kind of underline things and, and wrote things. And when I came to the second half of Romans 8, I saw this passage, and I decided to highlight the parts that I wanted to. I marked all the verses that spoke to me. So I found the really good verses, and I underlined them, and I put some up on the screen for us to have a look at. First is Romans 8.28. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. He knows where you are. He knows where you're going. And then in verse 31, it says, if God is for us, who can be against us? And I obviously didn't know that was a rhetorical question. So I wrote in the margin, no one. You know, God, if God is for us, who can be against us? No one. Of course, that's exactly what he's saying. Well done, 16-year-old me. You kind of picked up the basics. Uh, and then verse 35, um, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Great verse, right? And verse 37, Now in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. What amazing, powerful uh, scriptures. What great treasures of truth, promises of power, hope-filled, life-giving nuggets for the followers of Christ. And today we want to affirm that we can be victors too. But we need to ask the question, what does victory in Christ look like? And if it was up to me, it would just be those verses. It would mean that everything would go my way. God is for me. I am more than a conqueror, and everything will work out for my good. And yet, some days, I just don't really feel it. I don't really feel like I'm living in those scriptures. Some days, I'm just trying to get things done, and there is one thing after another, and I don't feel like I'm walking in the victory that he has for me. Jesus may have won the victory over the devil and sin and death, but he ascended to heaven. And here am I on earth, not feeling like much of a conqueror at all. Scripture seems fully aware of these facts. It actually tells us that there is still a battle we're facing. Jesus beat the devil, but he is still here. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be alert and sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And we know Jesus took our sin, but we still struggle with it. They say opportunity knocks, but temptation leans on the doorbell. You ever feel like that? <laughs> Paul acknowledges this difficulty in Romans 7 verse 19. He says, For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. And death has been defeated, right? Jesus, we celebrated last week, Jesus rose from the dead. But there's a little problem with that. We still die. Hebrews 9.27 says, Just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment. The news every day has some new tragedy for us to grapple with. Shootings at banks and schools in America. Corruption of political figures. Immorality of religious leaders, storms, tornadoes, the price of broccoli. The world is a difficult place to live at times. And that says nothing for the difficulties in our own life. 
It is hard work. There is sickness, busyness, family, mental health issues, and maybe family and mental health issues may go together. I don't know. I'm not saying that, but that just can happen sometimes. Poor choices and the trials of work. I just want you to think, what's going on for you right now where you could use some victory? What's going on for you right now which is maybe making you feel like you're not quite in that place? And maybe you've heard this analogy of uh, like a duck floating on a pond. You heard that analogy? They look like they're doing fine. When in reality, if you look under the water, you see the duck is just paddling furiously to stay afloat. And that's what we can feel like in life. We look fine, but there is a lot going on under the surface just to keep us from sinking. More than conquerors? You sure? Yet as we dig deeper into the second half of Romans 8, particularly the bits my 16-year-old self didn't underline, we see that this is a proclamation of victory and full knowledge of the difficulties we face. Now, there's a key word that comes through in some of this scripture, and it is the word groan. Paul, as he's talking about this new life in the Spirit, fully acknowledges that there are groans going on. These groans are sighs of exasperation and impatience, expressing wordlessly frustration about the situations that are happening. These groans as well as letting them help shape what it looks like to live a victorious life in Christ now. So let's read some of these groans. Romans 8, we're going to read 22 to 23 and 26 to 27. It says this, it says, We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we eagerly await our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. Verse 26, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Three groans. Did you hear them there? Firstly, creation is groaning. We are told that all of creation is a slave to death and decay. It is subject to God's curse. And we see it longing to be freed one day. And we see this chaos in our world, this, this, what the Bible calls the groans of creation. And that is what we see happening because of sin. It groans like a woman in labor, suffering pain, longing to give birth to the new heavens and the new earth that is to come. It's all around us. We live in a world longing to be renewed. That's the first one. The second one is our bodies prone to disease, eager to sin, inevitably going to die, and they are groaning. We may have the Spirit in us because of our faith in Jesus, but we're still waiting for the day when all things will be made new and these frail bodies of ours are redeemed. And this reflects what's going on in this book, the situation of the Christians in Rome. These people were suffering. They lived in this place known for its idol worship and for its corruption. Those who didn't show allegiance to the empire were punished. 
about 10 years before Romans was written, all Jews had been removed from Rome because they were seen to be troublemakers and only allowed back in about two or three years before Paul wrote this, and that caused a lot of social upheaval. Christians were suffering social pressure, exclusion, and there was the threat of imprisonment and death. There was a groan that was going up from them, longing for Christ to be king now. Finally, and most remarkably, the Spirit of God is also groaning. And you go, yeah, I kind of get creation groaning, and I get, hey, I get this frustration that maybe I feel about life sometimes. But the Spirit of God is going through the same process? I think this is a beautiful picture for those days when you just feel like you cannot cope. Those days when you feel weak and you don't know what to pray, let alone have the strength to pray. In those moments, the Holy Spirit says it's groaning for you. God does not stand apart from the pain of the world. He dwells in the middle of it through his Spirit. There is pain and longing from the Holy Spirit for the situation you are going through. Think about that for a second. God the Spirit is groaning because of your weakness. He is troubled and longing for a better reality. So, whatever victory is, it's not an endless supply of easy days and good times. That's not what Scripture is teaching. Nor do I think it is teaching that this is a world of misery and suffering and victory will only be achieved one day in the great beyond. Paul is clear that even though there is suffering, we have received the first fruits of the Spirit. And this means God's life is breaking through into ours. So then what does it look like to live in victory? What does it look like to be a conqueror? Let's keep on reading. Directly after Paul tells us about the Spirit interceding and groaning for God's people, it says this. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. Firstly, being a conqueror looks like trusting in who God has made us to be. We who chose to become Christians to have become like Jesus. It was God's plan all along. We are called, justified, and glorified. We are children of God. Jesus has made a way for us to come into his presence and see him work good in our situation, in all situations. He has welcomed us into his presence and we can come to him anytime with our requests. During the American Civil War, there was a soldier who lost both his brother and his dad to death on the same day. He went to see President Lincoln and plead his case. He was given a pass from the army to do so. He went to the White House, but was told by the guard on duty, you can't see the president, young man. Don't you know there's a war going on? The president's a very busy man. Now go away, son. Get back out there on the battle lines where you belong. So the young soldier left, very disheartened. 
And he was sitting on a little park bench not far from the White House when a little boy came up to him. The lad said to him, Soldier, you look so unhappy. What's wrong? The soldier looked at the boy and began to spill his heart to him. He told of his his father and his brother being killed in the war and of the desperate situation at home. He explained that his mother and sister had no one to help them on the farm. The little boy listened and said, I can help you, soldier. He took the soldier by the hand and led him back to the front gate of the White House. Apparently the guard didn't notice them because they weren't stopped. They walked straight to the front door of the White House and they walked right in. After they got inside, they walked right past the generals and high-ranking officials and no one said a word. The soldier couldn't understand this. Why didn't anyone try to stop them? They reached the Oval Office where the president was working. The little boy didn't even knock on the door. He just walked right in and led the soldier in with him. There behind the desk was Abraham Lincoln and his Secretary of State looking over battle plans that were laid out on his desk. The president looked at the boy and at the soldier and he said, Good afternoon, Tad. Can you introduce me to your friend? Tad Lincoln, the son of the president, said, Daddy, this soldier needs to talk to you. The soldier pled his case before Mr. Lincoln and right then and there he received the exemption that he needed to go look after his family. Because of Jesus, we have direct access to the Father. We get to come into his presence. We get to be called his own children. And as we walk in, he says, it's good to see you. Tell me what's going on for you. What's going on in your life? What's going on in your situation? Tell me about these groans. We may even find that before us, the Holy Spirit has gone before us into God's presence, groaning for us. So we walk in and God already knows what's happening. And he's able to work good in all things for us and for all people. That's what it looks like to be in victory, to know our relationship with God and to make use of it. The next verses give us another idea as to what victory looks like. Now I've heard it said that this passage needs to be written in letters of fire on the living tablets of our hearts. So let's listen to what these important verses say. Verse 31. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him, graciously give us all things. Who will bring any charge against those God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword as it is written for your sake we face death all day long we are considered as sheep to be slaughtered no in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us for i am convinced neither death nor life 
Neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen. Yeah, that's, that's the response to those verses. It doesn't deny that you will face those things. It doesn't deny that there might be famine, that there might be difficulty, that there might be demons, there might be things in the present and the future of powers. But none of that has the power to separate us from Christ's love. What does it look like to be a conqueror? What does it mean? What is, what is Paul saying here? He's saying you are a conqueror when you experience the fullness of Jesus' love. That's what conquering looks like. That's what it looks like to be a victor. That's what it means to walk in victory. Earlier, I talked about us feeling like ducks on the pond of life, furiously uh, kicking our legs under the water, just trying to stay afloat on the surface. Well, I did some research on that saying this week, and apparently that analogy is not true. I was quite shocked. I was like, but I like it. I wanted to use it. Ducks do not need to kick to stay afloat. Ducks float naturally. They've been designed that way. They have hollow bones. They have little ear sacs. They have this oil which they manually secrete over their tail feathers so that they don't take on water, rendering the duck buoyant. The duck doesn't need to paddle to float. It just needs to be, and its body will do the rest. It's a better analogy now. Because that's what life in Christ's love is like. We are kept afloat, not because we're kicking, not because of ourselves, but because of the victory life that he has created in us. We may groan, but we know we are buoyant through his love. We simply need to rest in him. So be a duck. And I know that sounds like I've been watching too many 90s uh, ice hockey movies, but quack, quack, be a duck. Uh, rest in the victory he has won for you. God's love is like that oil that is secreted. Our only job is to move it over the parts of us that are liable to take on water and sink. You conquer when you know who you are and when you walk in his love. Then you see him come through in all things, good and in bad. Now the truth is, the scripture is really aware of this, that we will not see it all now. We are waiting in hope until the day that Jesus returns or takes us to be with him before we will have complete victory. One day the last enemy, death, will be swallowed up in victory. We will be complete, we'll be restored, we'll be renewed. Until that day comes, there will be groaning. There will be frustration. However, we can still experience the victory of Jesus. My prayer for you, my prayer for us, is that we experience that in our life more and more. I was talking to a pastor about this one time. We were talking about this whole dynamic, which, which in theological terms is called the now and the not yet. There's a certain amount of victory that we have now, but we don't yet have all of it. And one day we will. I was talking to him about this, and he had this amazing healing ministry. And I was expressing to him my own struggles sometime with healing. The times I pray for someone, 
and they're healed temporarily or they're not healed at all. And I was going, well, it's probably this now and this not yet thing and we just have to realize that maybe, maybe we're not going to see as much healing as we'd like to see. And he said, yeah, I completely agree with the now and the not yet. He said, I, I see that. I know that that is uh, the case. But if we can't see 100% of people healed, I want to get as close as I can to 99%. Isn't that fantastic? Isn't that a way to, to see the world? Maybe I can't have complete victory over sin, but gosh, I'd love 99. <laughs> maybe I can't see uh, complete uh, things happen the way that I want them to, but maybe there is a, a greater measure of victory than we can walk in now than we currently are doing so. What if we had the same attitude to sin, to suffering, and the works of the devil? We might not see them all pushed back, but if we walk in communion with Christ, what if we saw as close to 99% of them overcome as is possible? We walk in the authority as the kids of the king, seeing our suffering, but living beyond it because we're living in the love of Christ. The testimony of Scripture is that the more we press into Christ, the more we embrace his love, the more we do life his way, the more victory we will see. So let me ask you this. If it is the love of Christ, how do you experience God's love? If that's what we need, what is it for you that allows you to know that God loves you. Have a think about that for a moment. Is it these times of worship, amazing times of worship that we have? Is it times of quiet solitude and reflection? Times walking out into creation? Times with friends and family? Is it moments spent pondering scripture? Times reading about theology and faith? What is it for you that brings God's love? And for some of us, there'll be this, this internal sense that's like, wow, I just feel overwhelmed with God's love. I just feel it. For some of us, we don't feel it quite so much, do we? But we know it. There's something in our hearts that even if we don't feel it, well, there's a certainty that God's love is for me and is greater than anything else. So I want to encourage you today, and this week, to press into God's love. We spend a lot of time focused on our problems. What if we spend as much time focused on the way that God loves us and how nothing can separate us from that love? How can you step into that space? Determine yourself and say, today, I'm going to make sure I make room for that. I'm going to make sure that whatever decisions I'm making, I'm stepping back and saying, God, am I making this as one of your children? Am I making this with you? Am I connected to your love? Can we pray into that this morning? Could you stand to your feet? Let's take a moment. Maybe when you get together with your connect group this week, a great thing that you can talk about together is how you experience God's love. And then take the time in your connect group to pray for each other, to talk with each other and say, I need to experience their love more.
Can you pray for me? Together, you can pray and ask God to come and meet you in that place. But as we come to a close, let us remember that our experience of victory will depend upon our relationship with God. Today is the day to let go of despair and go to God in desperation because he has what you need to get through the situation and the situations that you face. It's time to rise above it, to acknowledge that there is difficulty and suffering. But you have a God who is greater and can bring good out of even the worst situation. Can you close your eyes today? I just want to spend a moment in particular praying for those who acknowledge that they're going through difficulty. Those who say, I don't feel like I'm walking in victory, but I want to. I don't feel or even know the love of God as much as I should, but I want more. I want to know that nothing can separate me. I want those words written like fire, with fire on the tablet of my heart. Nothing can separate me from God's love. And if this morning that's you and you say, yeah, I'd like, I'd like more of that, then can you just hold your arms out like you would in worship? Just hold your hands out just to say, God, I want to receive from you today. Like a little kid saying, where's my present? <laughs> Because it's the gift he longs to give. He longs to give his love. Luke 11 uh, says that uh, if your father who is evil, uh, if you ask him for a fish, will he give you a snake? If you ask him for an egg, will he give you a scorpion? How much more, it then says, will your father in heaven who is good give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So Holy Spirit, today we ask, give us the greatest of gifts. Today, pour your love out. Where there's dryness, Lord, we pray for the water of your spirit to make it fresh and new and vibrant life flowing up again. God, where there's frustration, we ask for your peace. Where there's darkness, we ask for your light. Where there's a storm, we ask for your calm. Thank you, Lord, that you're in the boat and we can trust you. Reuben just has a, a short testimony as he was reflecting on the message this morning, which had going to come and share with us. I think this is going to be a great encouragement for you. Thanks. Hey church, um, two, three weeks ago I was worshipping and, and um, taking some of my struggles, my frustrations to God and this one was particularly to do with, with parenting, some frustrations I always have and I felt God very clearly say to me, my love is enough. So it's kind of just very much reflected on what Jonty was saying and and I, I struggled with that. I felt a bit, I oh know, and, and it was after something maybe a bit more practical, maybe a bit more um, tangible. Um, 
so I talked about this with some some mates and family, um, and 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 kind of managed to unpack it into a space where um, actually it wasn't about fixing the, the 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 issue, the frustration. It was about me leaning on that that love that um, in the struggles, in the frustrations, the victory of of having claiming that love for myself has been. Um, a freeing aspect so still having those frustrations but if I um, you know in those actual moments God has said reminded me of that word that my love is enough and just the the freedom and the relief that comes with that and the kind of the calming and the peace that comes with that in the moment has been quite a, a freeing aspect so yeah just claiming that victory of God's love um, can conquer even, you know, maybe not the right as we're looking for, but in the, not as I was looking for, but certainly giving a, a peace and, and, and a, a really cool way to live. So that's all. That's brilliant. Give me a hand. It's, uh, we love having people come and share real life stuff. And I think that just puts a real practicality on what we're talking about this morning. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To learn more about our church, visit c3chch.org.